1: Welcome to the Australian Finance Podcast, a podcast for people who want to learn more about their personal finances and get the most from their money. This series is hosted by Kate Campbell from How To Money and Owen Raskovich from Rask Finance.
0: The Australian Finance Podcast is provided for educational purposes only. The information is general in nature and does not take into account your needs, goals, or objectives. What that means is the information does not apply to you specifically. So consider getting the advice of a licensed and trusted professional before acting on the information.
1: Hi Owen and welcome back to the Australian Finance Podcast.
0: Thanks for having me Kate. What are we talking about today?
1: Today we're talking about something that's really important and doesn't have to necessarily mean a lot of money, investing in yourself.
0: Oh, okay. This sounds interesting. Yes. Investing in yourself. So is this like take $1 out of your pocket, put it in your other pocket or... A little bit different?
1: A little bit different. It okay. might mean taking an hour out of your day to actually learn something or read something that's going to grow your skill set. Um, it doesn't have to be a financial transaction. Um, it can just be a time transaction. So you're actually paying yourself with time. Hmm,
0: cool. So like you're saying, listen to this podcast at least once a week.
1: Yes. Well, this okay. is a form of investing in yourself.
0: Yes, it is indeed. I like it. I think podcasts are a great way to learn.
1: Mm, and we both love Using podcasts to learn, and that's a free way to mm. invest in yourself. There's
0: plenty of great podcasts out there. Okay, so let's just back it up a bit. What is investing in yourself, and how does it work? like why do why would someone consider doing it?
1: I think often we leave school, we leave uni with a set skill set, and they've given us some skills, but they haven't given us everything. We've got a few tools in our toolbox, that seems kind of lame, but um, <laughs> but you've got to actually develop more skills and then actually turn the current skills you have into more valuable skills. So if you want to uh, progress throughout your career, you're going to be learning things on the job, but to actually progress faster, to get that next pay rise, to change career directions, you're actually going to have to put in some work on mm. the side uh, whether that be an hour or day, or doing a course or something like that, to keep upskilling yourself and becoming a more valuable employee and being able to do more things.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to frame it. Like in terms of a like career progression, mm. uh, like there's table stakes or so like things. If you want to become a, per, a, you know, you want to get into a c- certain role in a certain industry, there's requirements, and you always see them on like the job yeah. ads, don't you? you know, there's like There's like what you need and then there's like the nice-to-haves. Yeah,
1: the desirable attributes. Yeah,
0: and uh, that can be most of the time it's formal study or experience. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have to tick that box, but it doesn't have to stop there. It doesn't have to stop at school or uh, university either. So we'll get to some ways that people can, I suppose, invest in themselves without forking out a lot of money to go and do an expensive course. So um, I think the key point here for me at least is that – your knowledge snowballs and it compounds just as quick. And we talk about compounding a lot in terms of finances and not noticing it until it's already so big that it's yeah. compounding away in the background. The same thing with knowledge, right? As you get older, it does become harder to learn and retain things. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people might disagree with that, but uh, it's definitely easier to learn when you're younger. And, and, and the, uh, like my argument for that is well, there's a reason we study at the beginning of our lives, and not at the end of it. Yeah. And the reason we study at the beginning is because we learn all these core uh, I suppose these core ideas about how the world works. Mm-hmm. And then as we get older and get experience, we can fill in the gaps and we can build upon that. So like basics like maths and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. If you didn't learn that until you're seventy, it'd be Yeah, it'd, you'd find it <laughs> very tough. So the idea is that you get this core body of knowledge and then you work on it over time and
1: Yeah, um, and you choose the direction you want mm-hmm. to build it in.
0: Yeah, exactly. And for me, it's, you said it, an hour a day. So there doesn't have to be like a, you know, sit down with your, (laughs) put on your reading glasses and and read a really dense book. It can be just listen to a podcast. It could be while you're in the car, Mm. while you're on the train, something like that. Um, It could be, it could be reading a book. It could be reading, you know, a a magazine for your industry, uh, whatever it might be. It's just about recognizing that you are the most important customer. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, you could, work an extra hour get 20 bucks get 50 bucks whatever you're on but at the end of the day does that help you in five or ten years from today probably not as much as the hour you put aside
1: mm. i think so often we get we get caught up in spending time at work spending time with family and friends and everything and we don't actually spend any time investing in ourselves and our mm. future and it's yeah it's just as simple as that hour a day or going off and going to that meetup group and meeting some people in a mm. different field a and one. learning from them um, that's quite a popular way, or going to the library and getting a few books on different topics that you would never think about reading otherwise. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's so easy nowadays. I think even with the internet, there's so many online courses, and it doesn't mean a two thousand dollar uni subject. Like Udemy, Khan Academy, Skillshare, they all have really cheap mm. twenty, thirty dollars. You can learn from someone who's an expert in whatever their areas, whether that's bread making, playing the ukulele or <laughs> Pythagoras theorem, um, it's all on there and you can actually learn from people's experiences and grow. And it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be the area that you're working on in your career. So you might be a data scientist and you're going to learn psychology in the evening so you can improve the, the picture you can paint with the numbers. So mm-hmm. that's one I've seen um, with a colleague of mine recently, but um, I think it doesn't, the skill you're putting effort into doesn't necessarily have to be related to your career. You might be trying to improve in music and you're in law, just anything like that. It's um, it's just growing your ability to learn and developing your skill sets. Um, another thing also is um, a side hustle um, that's sort of become overdone recently. The whole, everyone's writing about them, but just doing something on the side, even if you don't end up making any money. You learn a lot of skills from actually putting something together, mm. whether it be how to sell a product or how to write copy or how to uh, getting and talking to people in your community and things like that. And even volunteering, you learn a lot of skills mm. as well. And um, so if you're doing, whether it be an online course, or you're actually getting out and doing something in your community, you're just building those skill sets and you might not even realize.
0: Mm. You mentioned Card Academy just before that's a free resource online and you can get it on youtube or you can go to their website and i use that website when i was studying postgraduate business analytics Mm. and it's a i found that the free courses on youtube were better than the lecturers at my university yeah so that and that's a free resource right Mm. and another one is youtube a lot of my days spent on youtube or just using google because as an investor i have to find out what companies do and have to research management and learn these core competencies to understand industries. The easiest way to do that is just go on YouTube and go like what is mm-hmm. or subject explained and it comes up and it's it's such an easy way to learn something. And just circling back to the side hustle, I did a bit of undergraduate study in technology, but I didn't know how to build websites and that from my course. Mm-hmm. I actually took it upon myself to go out and to watch tutorials online and and do all of that via youtube listening to podcasts reading blogs etc and those are some of the soft skills that you develop but like people always come to me and they say i'm a finance person or i'm thinking of getting in i want to write a blog but i have to, i have no idea how to build a blog easiest way go to youtube and just find out yeah i would consider that that part of the hour of investing yeah. in yourself because that's a skill you're going to learn you won't, it won't show up on your cv necessarily but it's a it's a really good one what about in terms of employment like when people are thinking about their Careers and and they want to become obviously valuable to their employer. Should people generalise or do you think adding some specialist skills in there?
1: Yeah, I think I think specialising and even making yourself a more niche individual. So maybe you're working in customer relations at a mm. company, but then you develop skills on the side in terms of creating content or sales, and then you can start branching out in your company because often companies want to. Um, employ continue to employ their current employees mm. and advance you and they're happy to work with you so if you're putting in time on the side to learn another skill set um they the company's happy usually to work with you to branch out to other areas so um putting in work on the side is often a good way for you to change direction or um, build more skill sets in your current company and improve your job
0: mm. it's just coincidence but i was listening to uh something that Charlie Munger, who is Warren Buffett's sidekick at Berkshire Hathaway, if you like, uh, he's he was talking about specialising in in certain fields, and he said you don't want to go to a doctor who's half proctologist and half dentist, <laughs> <laughs> and it's true, right? Like yeah. you you wanted to go to the doctor because you want to get the the right answer to the right question, mm. and it's the same way you should think about your position and your uh, skill set. Yeah. If provided, it's not something that maybe is going to be made redundant, which we'll talk about in a minute, but. Uh, yeah, you, you want, want
1: to be the person at your company that everyone goes to. If, if it's a question about X, Y, Z topic, everyone knows that you are the person to go to. Mm. You're the expert. You can answer any question. And that makes you really valuable.
0: Absolutely, it does. And just also, so there's that. And then there's also being aware of what's going on in the business itself. So what are the needs of the business? Mm. What, where are the growth areas? Where are the areas that there might be a shortfall in in labor or what have you? Yeah recognizing that and thinking to yourself well maybe i can go over there Mm -hmm. and learn a new skill and um, make make myself even more valuable to the business because i bring this technical knowledge and i combine it with that technical knowledge or this general knowledge and that's just yeah that combination is really important
1: and often i think going niche in maybe a couple of areas but then broadly understanding the surrounding topics and skills Mm. uh really helps as well because if you get thrown into the deep end because someone's away you can pick up what they're doing and things like that Uh, but you still are valuable in your particular area of expertise Mm.
0: and and we talked about this a little bit in the last podcast but it also helps with let's be let's be real it helps with promotions Mm. getting into jobs or roles that are much more lucrative yeah you can even become a career changer if you've got a particular skill set you can maybe transform that and take it to another industry another company and that's you know for people that are really career minded changing roles is often a way to get up so you may not be going straight up like sometimes you have to
1: zigzag across different companies and different roles
0: and that's ultimately how you end up as the you know in the executive branch if you like Hmm. so that that's definitely something to keep in mind and it's just all the while keeping yourself as valuable as possible
1: yeah and if you want to change career directions but you can't quit your day job because you need your income um building up a skill set on the side building a portfolio of work in that area and the relevant skills and then you can bring that to the table Mm. and you don't have to stop working or go off and do a full-time course
0: Mm. yeah i I, and just for career starters because there's probably people listening to this that probably made their way into an industry yet Mm. i you know you, you hear these things all the time where there's a graduate position or what have you and they say you need experience or uh, you need these certain qualifications, but there could be a thousand people that meet that criteria, yeah. and you don't. So you've got to stand out somehow. So maybe it might seem silly, but maybe just mentioning that you have this other skill set, mm. recognizing what the business does, and then and then highlighting that is really yeah. important.
1: And that can sometimes make you stand out from the crowd
0: for sure. Yeah, because that's you know you, you're going to be a problem solver when you go into a business and. If you can bring some sort of skill set that might be valuable mm. to them, you don't know what that is necessarily, just mention it. It's a really good one.
1: And for most <coughs> jobs, apart from some of the niche ones, they care more about your problem solving and your ability to get things done. Um, and innovate rather than that specific knowledge so that you know those hard facts. Mm. Um, there are some jobs uh, like air traffic control where you need to know the hard, <laughs> hard facts. As you know. Uh, but uh, a lot of jobs, uh, especially in the finance industry, they're looking for your ability to solve problems and um, work with clients and things like that rather than you know X, Y, Z because the employer knows you can pick up most of that on mm. the job.
0: Mm, that's true. Okay, so one of the things we wanted to talk about I think, is talking about hex and student loans. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And I've got to say, I think you're the, the expert of the two of us. I know a little bit, well, but.
1: I thought that was quite relevant, um, especially for my audience, our mm. audience. And um, I'm currently in the last year of my undergraduate degree. So I'm mm. doing that online, um, but still costs the same, sadly. No. <laughs> you, you miss out on so much, but still, still costs the same. But the great thing, I guess, with our Australian system compared to some other systems like, like the, US. The, the US, which is scary and I'm glad I'm not there, is um, the government has a system where you don't have to pay upfront for the loan and you don't have to go to Loan Shark to get a loan. Mm. Um, it's a, a government loan system. Um, what's it? The Higher Education Contribution Scheme. HEX. Yes. That's how I know it. Yeah, and I yeah. think for that's for public universities and for private universities you can get a... Help loan, which is a similar thing. Um, No, it's fee help. There we go. Um, And so, most unis for undergrad, you can get a Commonwealth supported place. So that's um, a little bit. It's different to hexes in. It's a subsidised place. So it's a cheaper place, and then you get hex. But you might. There are unis that offer full fee places. Um, so you're paying a full fee, but you can still get hex. So right. um a lot of undergrads you'll see on their website whether it's a full fee place or a Commonwealth supported place.
0: So that effectively a Commonwealth supported place is effectively like if it was just for example, ten thousand yeah. dollars a year, a Commonwealth supported place might be five thousand dollars. So yeah. the other five thousand dollars doesn't go onto your student debt. No, it's kinda of, that's covered just by the government. Subsidized yeah, supported, yeah, right, okay. And
1: then so you get your Commonwealth supported place and then you can get hex. hmm um, and if it's not a Commonwealth-supported place, you can still get HEX in most cases.
0: Okay. And when do you repay it?
1: So once you sort of sign up for HEX throughout the uni. Um, as you accept your offer and enroll for your subjects, it's kind of an online form built in. Mm-hmm. So it makes it very simple to yeah, uh, uh, pay for it all. You don't have to exchange money at all. Um, and then you start paying for it later on. So this actually changes quite a lot. They mm-hmm. change the salary rates at which your hex is taken out but it, they, essentially once you start um, working in a full-time job the government will take extra money out of your tax to pay for your yep. hex debt.
0: Okay so once you reach a certain level of income
1: yeah.
0: then a percentage starts to come out. Mm. But is it this is too technical but I can't remember if, it, if it's a percentage of the entire amount of your wage or if it's just like that little bracket like the tax bracket I think it's the entire amount isn't it?
1: Yeah I think so.
0: So like if you hit as soon as you hit that band, yeah, then the tax that extra tax is applied to everything, mm. and that's why when you hand when you go to an employer and you have like a tax tax file declaration number a TFN decla- declaration, yeah. you've uh, got a tick. There's the a box that says fee help, yeah, and you need to tick that if you have been to university and you've used fee help. Not yeah. everyone has used fee help. There's some people, yeah, get, and know, there's a few different
1: order. loan schemes and a few different boxes. So it's just worth checking with your HR and mm. ticking the right box because uh, if if you don't tick it and the employer isn't taking extra tax out, you're going to have a bit Big of a bill. tax bill um, yeah. when you get to the end of financial year. Okay. Um, so it is a lot easier if it's taken out on a monthly, fortnightly basis. Okay. Uh, with, I had a friend recently who um, had to got the bill at tax time because right. she didn't know the employer wasn't paid taking out her tax.
0: Ah, right. Okay. Yeah, we'll definitely double check that. Uh, yeah. The question that I always get is should I pay it back? And that's like, what are they, what they're asking is, should Mm -hmm. I take money from my own pocket and pay off my student debt?
1: Yeah. So once you've graduated uni aggressively trying to pay down your student loan, Mm -hmm. Um, I think in Australia, it's not really worth it. I mean, if you've got the spare 40K, then go ahead. But it is probably the best debt you're ever going to get in terms of it's only going up. It's indexed every year um and i think in 2018 it was 1.9 percent. so in terms of so if
0: you compare that to a mortgage which is probably the cheapest form outside of student debt it's yeah. like that's still like in 2019 it's like four percent yeah so
1: and your hex debt's probably a lot smaller than your mortgage mm. it might be 30 grand or something like that yeah. so it's um so the last thing guess, you want to
0: do is use a credit card to pay off your Hex debt. Yes, uh, it's like reverse compounding. Yeah, you definitely
1: don't <laughs> want to get into financial strife to pay off your Hex debt. Yeah. It's, the government doesn't rush you. They let you pay it off over your whole career. Sometimes there's... Um, I met some teachers in their 40s that were still paying off Hex debt, so mm. it's just something. If you're not working, you're not paying it. So
0: yeah. Actually, that's funny because they, the government actually brought down the, the level... Of income that you have to hit before you start paying it yeah. that's because they were finding that some people would never repay their hex debt because yeah. they would get a job that wasn't necessarily the highest paid in the industry so they'd never hit that threshold or if they did they might do that and then they might be stay-at-home parents mm. and they never go yeah, back they to work
1: they don't do a credit check for yeah. giving you this um the hex debt it's all just done through the uni system and um I think all you need is your tax file number down, and there you go.
0: Yeah, the unis are happy and to accept. I
1: think you're up allowed up to 104,000. I think when I last looked, right. Um, right. In okay. terms of total, <laughs> so you can uh, stack a couple of bachelor degrees together there. I have. Mm. Well, not
0: bachelors, but I did three. Yeah. yeah and and uh, I wouldn't even know what the that is, but uh, <laughs> I've got a fair bit of it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I should probably know. And you can check it Yes, by going to the MyGov website, which mm. is the one where you can see your tax returns from the past yeah, few years. Medicare's do there. Do your Medicare. Your super's there. Centrelink. Everything, Centrelink. So it's like that big yeah.
1: portal but it is kind of yeah. difficult to use I found
0: yeah it is a bit clunky but once you get it set up I yeah. found the hardest bit was getting it set up and then you can do everything Like you can swap super funds you can yeah do a ho- you, can sit, you can literally, literally all see all your, your tax there. And, yep you can find lost super um, you can get the rebates for Medicare if you're if you need to, yeah, really good, really good thing to set up, and uh, let's just hope it's secure because it stores like everything.
1: Yeah, and your health records now too. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> so definitely as a uni student, I'd be setting up your MyGov website early on so you can track everything. Mm. The um, hex set isn't, up. I think it's updated maybe quarterly, mm. um, but it's good to keep an eye on it, especially as you're studying. Um, that you haven't mistakenly been charged for an extra Mm -hmm. unit. Very important. Um, And a good thing to note is it's only been sort of recently put in, but if you're moving overseas, um, so if you're going for a year to work in a pub in London, you actually need to uh, declare to the ATO via the MyGov login that you're leaving the country for six. So if it's more than six months, um, you've actually got to let them know. And if you start earning over that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. Oh, I like it. (laughs)
1: You might not be earning if you're at a pub in London. You might not be earning over the minimum threshold to pay back your hex. Uh, but if you do start earning over the minimum thresholds, which you should check before you go on your trip, you actually will have to pay back an appropriate amount in your tax return.
0: So you're saying that even if you didn't earn the money in Australia, like if you were in, if you're working in a really good pub in yeah. London, for example, and you're getting a hundred thousand dollars,
1: you're gonna have to you're gonna hit pay the appropriate yeah, amount right. in your... So, this ah. is, I think this is brought in recently because a lot of people were just skipping the country. And <laughs> yeah, not paying See you later, their, Australia. Not paying their hex step back. And I don't think the government had a way to enforce it. But now they're actually bringing in rules huh, about that's, that. That's so.
0: interesting because while you're at it, you may as well talk to your accountant because if you do go overseas, you want to know your, what your tax residency is. Yeah. Because uh, if you're overseas for more than 183 days, you might want to just yeah. tax your accountant start if there's to something. <laughs> that you need to take notice of. Uh, that's interesting. I did not know that. There you go. You learned something new.
1: Yeah. I um, I think some uh, Melissa Brown actually wrote about it in mm-hmm. the City Morning Herald last year, and that was the first time I'd heard about it. So then I investigated a bit further because I'm hoping one day to go overseas for a little while. Hmm,
0: cool. And Melissa Brown, good follow on um, all the social portals. She yes. was also on the Investors podcast that I run. Oh. She's a very nice lady. Mm. Okay. So... Uh, last little thing that we want to sort of tie off on the end here mm. is the future of work. And this is something that gets brought up when you talk about automation and you talk about artificial intelligence and all these things that people seem to bring up, these buzzwords, and everyone's like, oh, what's it going to do to my job? And Yeah, are yeah. we
1: all just going to be sitting at home watching Netflix yeah, while the robots run around and cook and clean and run the world?
0: Universal income, etc. So will a robot take my job? Okay, well, throw it I, over to I you.
1: There's certainly jobs that will be uh, taken over by robots. I mean, I look at the stuff I do day to day at work, and there's certainly things that I could automate. Mm.
0: <laughs> um, <certainly>. Happily <laughs> automate. Yep.
1: <laughs> um, but I think it's. I think my focus is as quite a new employee is building that additional skill set. So something bringing something to the table that a robot couldn't do. Mm. Something with innovation and creativity and Things like content. I think I've been working on some content for work and um, sales and various things that maybe a robot can't do mm. or not do as well as a human.
0: I think there's a saying that anything that's can be automated will be automated. Mm. And that's true. Like you can see that in any uh, you know walk of your life, I guess, whether it's your professional life or your social life, you can see things that are automated. Um, there's... Typically, like there's two camps on this. There's people that understand technology and they're kind of like really enterprising and they're, they're out there, the go getters, and like, yeah, I love technology. I love the changes. bring. And then there's the people who are on the other side of the table who are kind of like, oh, I don't really want to go to work. I'd go back to uni. I don't want to study. I don't want to do all this stuff. And it's I mean, true. that's
1: okay if you're in your 70s or 80s right now.
0: Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. You're, yeah, that's probably, that's probably a good thing, automation, because it will help with things like, Let's throw a crazy example out there. So with machine learning and artificial intelligence, imagine uh, the machine performs the surgery on you at 99.99% accuracy, whereas a surgeon might only get 80%. Mm. There's those two camps, right? Mm. And it does, in some respects, look like it's going to hurt people that work in blue-collar jobs or like, unskilled yeah. jobs. Like there's
1: so, a growing amount of jobs, but they're in that higher skilled area.
0: Yeah, and then you get then you end up with what we call underemployment, whereas where, which is where people who could otherwise work a full time job in a, you know, meaningful career, mm-hmm. if you like, uh, they might end up with contract work because the full hours, yeah. the full hours aren't required. But I just want to add one thing, and or actually, I had two things. The first is that if you go back in time and you think about say agriculture used to be like the biggest employment area industry in the country, right? And then you think about uh, tractors and all the rest of it. Mm. You know, they when people moved away from horses towards tractors they didn't have to stand on the rotary hoe at the back, Uh, people were like up in arms like, well, what's going to happen to my job and all this sort of stuff? But then you think about all the jobs that having tractors has created and how much more efficient the world is and Mm. et cetera. Like there's opportunity that comes with change. So we've talked this whole podcast about investing in yourself. If you're in, if you're doing that, if you're actively investing in yourself, this will be it's, you know, business as usual for you. In fact, yeah. it's probably exciting. So look forward to that. Embracing the future, yeah.
1: not being scared of the changes to come.
0: Yep. And the other way I would say to be more optimistic about it is try to own mm. shares in the companies that create these, yeah. you know, new automated devices or machine learning. There's plenty in Australia that you can choose from, There's ETFs that invest only in robotics, for example, mm. you don't have to sit idly by and just complain about the world becoming automated. Yeah. You can actually you can go out and be a part of it. Yeah, you can own it. Like, let's just use an example. This is not a company that I own, but uh, IBM have created this computer called Watson, which is effectively like this super computer that can do AI or artificial mm. intelligence. You can own shares in, in IBM if you really want to. Yeah. There's no one to say you can't do that. So you know, it depends what side of the table you choose to sit on, and it, but the choice is yours. So that's, that's an interesting thing that I, I thought would add some comfort to some people. There's definitely opportunity to no matter what side of the table you're on.
1: Yeah. I think a, an interesting one is with the Mikey system and the trains. Oh, Victorian the train system, yep. Like The trams used to have a conductor on board who would help everyone on and make sure that everyone's tickets were stamped. But there's still people at the gates, at Mikey gates. There's mm. heaps of inspectors there. There's police at every station. So... I think almost employment's probably increased in the public transport sector,
0: mm. and that's right. Like it, it, for for all intents and purposes, the technology has actually made the world a profoundly better place. Mm. It's made it safer. It's made it more efficient.
1: And we're record low unemployment, so mm. technology hasn't wiped out all the jobs yet.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe when you know we ebb and flow through the uh, through the market yeah. cycle. To put some jargon in there, we might find that there's a few more disgruntled employees or mm. redundancies going on, but. Yeah, I mean, that's another really good example of, you know, change can cre- create opportunity. So just try and make sure you're prepared for it now make sure you're on the right side of the the, the, the trend when it comes. So you've put in some of the uh, ideas and the, the talking points here and you've said that obviously preparing yourself financially. So we've talked about emergency funds, having all these things in place yeah. uh, will help you if you do need to transition.
1: Yeah, and just like building a buffer up so that, that's the most important thing, I guess, having your emergency fund. Mm. So you've got a buffer if your job does get taken by a robot.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And if you're further down the line and you already have an investment portfolio, you might have some type of passive income coming in from your investments. It's not ideal to rely on them before you have to, but if you have some money put away, you might have you know, a fair chunk in term deposits or uh, some dividend-paying shares or investment property. Those things can provide some support when um, times get a little tough. Uh Anything else we want to cover off on that?
1: I thought one interesting point is Mm. that the government does actually publish lists of the job shortage reports and things like that. Oh, cool. And there's lots of industries that publish the upcoming sort of in the next 10 years, we expect this field or this profession will grow Mm. by 20%. So uh, if you're looking for some ideas, it's worth checking out those. I'll try and find some links and put them in the show notes.
0: That's a really good point. It's like, again, just being on the right side of that trend and um, I think Personally, my personal belief is that if you are, in particular this is applicable to young people, uh, if you are in any of the STEM degrees or like that's your field, so when I say STEM I mean sciences, so um, yeah, think science, some technology.
1: I have adjusted it to STEAM now, Steam? putting arts in there to make arts. it. Arts,
0: oh, that's yes. probably, yeah, a counterpoint. Um, to
1: move it all together. Yeah,
0: the creative side is mm. you can't replicate that, right? But mathematics, all those things are not – changing uh you know you meet actuarial scientists for example this the the modern day mathematician if you like they use more they use more computers now than they ever have but they're still the same still fu- fulfill the same role they've just yeah. made it easier on themselves but if you have if you can build that core body of knowledge going back to that and build upon that over time i don't see from the wor- reason to worry about the robots
1: mm. and just don't forget to invest in yourself mm-hmm. with your time and sometimes your money.
0: Yep, as we will say time and time again. Cool. All right, we'll end by saying please send us your questions if you've got any.
1: Yes, we'll have a QA and a episode coming up very soon.
0: Mm-hmm. And, Kate, where can our listeners find out more about you?
1: I'm available on Twitter and Instagram at HowToMoneyAUS and www.HowToMoney.online.
0: And you can find me at Owen Rask on Twitter and on the www.raskfinance.com website where you can also see the show notes and lodge a question. Cool.
1: The future is out there. Oh,
0: here it is. Way We're to sign my up
1: reference in there. <laughs>